You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. We're here today with Todd Little from Litterbox Cats, our sister site that covers the Florida Panthers. Todd, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, nice day here down in Auburn, Alabama, so can't really complain for any reason. Uh, the Predators tonight, when I'm recording this, it's Saturday, uh, January 30th. They're going to be taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, but we want to talk about the Florida Panthers here on this little interview. Um, I have a couple questions for you, as is per the norm for this show. Um, let's just get right into them without any further ado. Uh, the Panthers are a really interesting team over the past five years. If you just look at the way that they've been run and all the changes that have gone down, um, there's been a couple of roster overhauls that have gone on where huge pieces have been shifted around and players have just kind of been thrown all over the place. There's been a lot of turmoil in the front office, a lot of turmoil behind the bench. Um, and this past year, we've seen the departure of a couple of bigger names like Evgeny Dadnov and Mike Hoffman. And then also not quite as big a name, but still a player who's been on this roster for a little bit in Mike Matheson. Um, and now we have some more new names to be looking forward to when the Panthers come to play the Predators. So who are some guys that we should be looking for in this matchup and what should we expect from them? Uh, the first guy is Carter Verhege, who the Panthers signed as a free agent. He was with the Lightning last year. Um, he won the AHL scoring title two years ago. And so far, I mean, they, they signed him for, a, you know, a million per for the next two years. Um, first four games, he's got four goals and two assists. He's playing on the top line. Um, it's looking like an amazing signing, great bargain. Um, couldn't ask for anything more from him. So he's, he's definitely the, uh, you know, the first guy I would point to out of the new additions from this off season. And the Panthers also signed Anthony Duclair. He's also playing on the first line with Alexander Barkov and, you know, and that line, that line has been great. I mean, it's been the, you know, the main positive of the, of the team so far, they've started off three Oh and one. And that line is the biggest reason why. Um, so th those two guys are, are fitting in. Duclair hasn't scored a goal yet, but he's leading the team with five assists. And, um, you know, so far after four games, I mean, swapping out uh, Hoffman and Dadunov for those two guys, um, I think right now, I'm not sure this is going to last all season, but, you know, those, those guys are, um, you know, definitely making people forget about Dadunov and Hoffman right now. And as, as far as uh, Matheson goes, you know, the Panthers traded him for Patrick Hornquist and he scored four goals in the first, you know, four games, which has been great, great trade for the Panthers. Um, you know, Matheson, for whatever reason, you know, he looked really good when he first joined the team a few years ago, but um, for whatever reason, he just, he just hasn't improved in, uh, you know, so that was, that, that looks like a great trade for the Panthers, not only getting, 
Hornquist, but the Panthers defense looks better without Matheson in it. So that's definitely been an addition by addition and addition by subtraction kind of thing for the Panthers. Yeah, I've really liked a lot of the moves that Bill Zito's made. Uh, that's the new Panthers GM for anybody who doesn't know who that is. Um, I, I liked his offseason a lot. I felt like he improved the team a lot, um, both by addition, by subtraction, and uh, just straight up adding players to the roster. Uh, Carter Verhage, definitely a guy that doesn't get talked about enough, um, but really good AHL player. Has always looked like he could be a solid NHLer, and I'm glad that he's getting a shot now and excelling. Um, I, I like the Anthony Duclair signing. I feel like he's a great fit with Barkov. Um, that's that's a solid line right there. Uh, the the main interesting thing, though, to me is Mike Hoffman scored a lot of goals when he was playing for the Florida Panthers, and he's kind of been a non-factor in St. Louis so far, which I'm not shocked by personally because I've never been a big Mike Hoffman fan ever since he left Ottawa. Um he definitely seems like a guy who is a power play specialist that's not great at 5v5 and doesn't really care too much about defense. So I think Zito recognized this team, the main struggle that they have isn't scoring. It's not really been scoring while they've been uh, just out of the playoffs for the past couple of years. It's always been a question of can the defense hold up? Is the goaltending okay? And you've got Sergei Bobrovsky signed to that long-term contract, which we'll talk about in a minute here. But yeah. uh, <laughs> If you're going to have that older goalie who's maybe a bit inconsistent, to put it kindly, um, you you want to have solid defense in front of him. And I feel like Joel Quenville looked a little frustrated last year with some of the stuff they saw out of Matheson and uh, back-checking by the forwards and stuff like that. So really good offseason for the Panthers. Um, everybody who's a Nashville fan is familiar with Patrick Hornquist. So, uh, I mean, bitter bittersweet that he's succeeding uh elsewhere but i always root for him he's one of my favorite predators ever so it's cool that he's scoring well so far yeah i like i like, I like the offseason a lot too i mean they, they've got you know they've they kept the key pieces here and they've got they've got a lot of guys on short-term deals so these guys are hungry you know so i i think that's gonna just make the team play harder and and as you said like the, the problem here hasn't been the scoring it's it's been the defense and the, and the goaltending and, you know, it looks like at least it's not there yet, but at least they're they're taking steps to address that. Yeah. Again, it's just solid offseason from the Panthers there. What's kind of been interesting surrounding Bill Zito, though, is the Keith Yandel situation, which let's talk about that. Um, Keith Yandel, one of the longer tenured players on the Panthers currently signed to that big contract a while back. Um Really good point-producing defenseman, has been most of his career, but the defense, the actual defensive play, has been pretty questionable for him uh, for a long time. He's always been the guy where you look at him and you go, that's a power play specialist, and he's out there to score, don't worry about the defense. But lately in particular, it feels like he's not contributing as much. Um, it's a lot of empty calorie points um, from the perspective of some people that I've talked to, and... Bill Zito seems to feel the same way. So there was a lot of talk of benching Yandel or bringing him out of the lineup for uh, that reason when he currently boasts the longest Ironman streak in the NHL. And I believe it's the longest Ironman streak of any defenseman in NHL history. Um, so the the trade rumors were flying for a little bit there. Um, everyone was talking about this is ridiculous or this is 
a smart decision by the Panthers or whatever. Can you kind of tell us how that situation has uh, kind of shaken out there? Because I haven't seen as much in the news about Keith Yandel recently. So how'd that go down? It, it seems to have died down for now. I mean, I, I think the main problem in this situation, I think anybody that's actually watches the Panthers and, and pays attention to how Yandel plays defense understands why they would want to move him or would want to, you know, bench him. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is, is he has, he has a no movement clause and he doesn't seem like he would want to waive it. You know, the, the Personally, for me, like I, th- I thought the only opportunity the Panthers might have had to trade him was early in the offseason um, when, when the Bruins lost uh, Tory Krug and they still had cap space because Yandel's from, you know, from Boston. And I thought that would have been a good fit for him and for the Bruins at the time. But, you know, with the no movement clause and, and hit, you know, he's got a cap hit, cap hit of over six million, you know, so the team's just they just don't have room for him right now, you know, and with the cap being flat, I just, I just don't see the Panthers being able to trade him really, you know, unless, unless they're taking a really bad contract back, you know, so that, that's the only way that I see that happening, you know, may, you know, maybe after this year, they get to the point where, you know, it makes financial sense to buy out the last two years of his contract, but, you know, all that chatter has seemed to die, have died down over the last week or so. So, you know, we'll see if, if, you know, they're trying to move them behind the scenes, maybe. I, I don't know. But I, I just just the way that the financial landscape of the NHL is right now, I just I just don't see them being able to trade them. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I also am a big fan of the Philadelphia Flyers, and that was one of the two teams that was rumored for him. Uh, it was there in Boston uh, and just, just looking from like a player perspective and then also from a financials perspective, it doesn't really make sense for any team in the NHL to make a move for Keith Yandel. I'm sure somebody will eventually bite on that because he scores points and GMs are going to, they're going to overlook the defense. Um, if, if they're looking for a guy who can score his points, case in point, the Flyers signed Eric Gustafson, who is very similar to Yandel. Yeah, if we were still in a situation where the cap was going up every year, you know, I, th- I think they would have been able to trade him because yet the actual the actual real dollars that he makes isn't as much as the cap hit is, you know, right now. So, you know, I, I think in normal, you know, normal circumstances, you know, chances are that they would be able to trade him. But just not not right now, not with the way things are right now. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, we saw in the offseason there there were guys who were getting super cheap contracts where you'd expect them to be paid. Four million a year, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, going back to Hoffman, he was one of those guys. You know, he, I, I think he thought he was going to get, you know, even with what was going on in the world, I thought, I think he, you know, out, might have outsmarted himself a little bit from a financial standpoint. I mean, he ended up on a good team, but I, I think he ended up getting a lot less money than he was expecting. Yeah, definitely one of those dudes where everyone was like, oh man, he's going to get big money in the offseason because he almost scored 40 goals the one year, um, but not the case, which was kind of interesting. You got that PTO with St. Louis and made the team. Uh, he's he's kind of an interesting player to watch, but that's besides the point. I want to talk about another big money player who is on the Panthers currently. Uh, let's talk about Sergei Bobrovsky because that's, that's maybe the biggest make or break point for this team, making or uh, missing the playoffs. 
this year. He was bad last year. He was flat out bad. Um, just watching Panthers games, I did a decent amount of because I'm in college, so I have too much time on my hands. Uh, <laughs> uh, just watching him, not the same player that you saw in Columbus. You kind of, with any goalie that you're paying a lot of money in free agency, are just waiting for the other shoe to drop um, if they're that old because uh, goalies can just fall off a cliff out of nowhere, even if they're as good as Bobrovsky was in Columbus. And lo and behold, uh, in his first year in Florida, behind kind of a shaky defense, he had some rough games uh, and a rough season. And it kind of seems like that's been the case so far this year, too. Florida's winning games, but I'm looking at the box scores of them, and they're not exactly playing super defensively sound still. Uh, giving up a lot of goals to a bad Blackhawks team, um, which Preds fans know watching them for the past two games, they make the Predators look like a competent offense, um, which is saying a lot there. So uh, it, it's just, it seems like he's still kind of a mess in goal. What what can we be expecting from him if we see him? Um, I'm assuming we will for at least one of these two games. And then also uh, down in college, you have Spencer Knight, who was taken a year or two back in the draft in the first round. How soon could we see him? Because he's been having, if if this was a full season in college, he would be the Hobie Baker lock pretty much at this point with the season. Yeah, yeah. He's so, so far this season, he's he's killing it. I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, let, let let me start with the Spence, the whole Spencer Knight thing first. Like the the. Not, not. This isn't so much against Bobrovsky, the goalie. It's, it's more so the contract. You know, like I just, I just don't understand. Like you draft Spencer Knight the first round, and then you go out and you sign a guy for seven years. You know, ten million a year. Like it's just, it didn't. Especially now in retrospect, I mean, this deal is just looking. It looked bad to begin with, and it's just looking worse and worse and worse as time goes on. You know, but I. I at some point, you know, like I'm, I'm not paying the guy. So like, I'm not sweating the money so much, but at some point you just want him to just start looking like a good goalie, not even a great goalie, just a good goalie, you know, that, that you're not worried about being in the net. That's going to cost you the game. You know, I mean, last year, I don't think he was quite as bad as his numbers look in a lot of games. Like he would, you know, he would make great saves during the game, but you know, with the, you know, part of the problem was the defense. The defense was awful last year and they hung him out to dry a lot. And, you know, you know, maybe he's just not the right goalie for this team, or maybe he was just like, you know, what the hell is going on here? This isn't how we played defense in Columbus. And, you know, that got to him, or maybe the money's getting to him. You know, I don't know what it is, but at, at this point, I just want the guy to, to be a good goalie. He doesn't have to be a a great goalie. I mean, you want him to be a great goalie, you know, considering the amount of money that he's making, but I'd settle for good at this point, not, not what we're getting from him. Yeah. You just want him to be a league average starter. Cause if he is that last year, um, the Panthers might have a shot at making the postseason um, as a play-in team. If he's just adequate, which I mean, he would have flashes of old Bob um, that you'd see, like you said, he'd make a couple show stoppers uh every single week where you're just like oh man that's the dude we're looking for that's the guy we paid and then he let in one or two where you're like oh he really wants one of those back yeah and 
Right, and that and that's happened in his two starts this year. He's been overall, he's been okay, but in in the Chicago game and uh, the what the game against Chicago that he played, he gave up a goal where you're just like you, you you've got to you've got to stop that. And then in his last start, it was the same thing. Overall, he played pretty good, and he got he got the win. But in the third period, he just gave up a shorthanded goal where you're like, man, you you got to stop that, you know, like. It's just, it's just frustrating because then you see when Chris Drieger is in there and, and the sample size on him is small, but he wins, you know, and he doesn't give up a lot of goals playing behind the same defense. You know, he's got really good numbers. You know, I think, I think he's only played 16 career games in the NHL, but, you know, at, at, the, at the end of Roberto Luongo's career here and with James Reimer in here, it was, it was kind of the same thing with Bob, with uh, Bobrovsky, you know, like, they're going to give up three, four goals a game. And then you get this guy who, you know, came up from the AHL who's kind of an unheralded guy. And he's not, he's not seeming to have these, these same problems that the other guys had. So it's, it's, it's pretty frustrating, you know, because, you know, because of the money that Bobrovsky is going to keep getting the lion's share of the games at some point. I mean, right now they've split them two and two, but as the year goes on, I mean, you know, you've got to think that that's going to change. Yeah, it's funny. This is reminding me a lot of uh, Bob's early career in Philly. Um, <laughs> kind of the reverse situation here where he's the Briz in this situation rather than being the young goalie getting pushed out um, or getting less starts than he probably should be getting. But that's that's definitely something that if you're a Preds fan, you should be watching Bob early in the game, see how he's handling rebounds, especially. I feel like his rebound control has kind of been a bit of a mess. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. And, and on, on his playing, like, you know, may, you know, maybe it's because I'm an older guy and I, re, I remember more of the stand-up style. But w- with Bob, like, I just feel like he, sell, he sells out low so much. And I know, I know a lot of goalies nowadays do that. They've been coached to do that, take away the low part of the net. But, I mean, over the last few years, I mean, guys are starting to pick the top of the net more and more. And, and I just see him just like selling out low and making himself small so much of the time. And, you know, he, he, I think that's one thing they need to work on him with more is just to keep his feet, you know, that one set, that one split second longer, you know, so he's not selling out low so much. Yeah. He definitely also had a lot of help in Columbus that I'm, I know the Panthers defense is improved this year. Um, and you've got guys like Mackenzie Wegar and, Aaron Ekblad, who's still solid, but uh, it's still not exactly when you're watching that team, you don't go, oh, wow, this is a great defensive team. No, yeah, no, yeah, the defense is still, is still a work in progress, you know, and, you know, yeah, I mean, if they, if they could somehow dump Yandel and then use that money to bring in a good, you know, really good defensive defenseman, you know, that, that would, that would go a long way to sorting things out. I I definitely agree. Um, I I love Wegar, but he doesn't seem like he's a guy who can be a true stud so much as he's kind of a good supplementary player. Um, and he might be the best guy in his own zone on the whole team. It's either him or Ekblad. Um, so <laughs> that's not exactly a super great thing for Bob. Um, if you're a Preds fan, you're wanting the team to just pepper the crap out of him with shots early in the game, get some rebounds, um, look for the slam dunk goals. Uh, we definitely are a team that's more based upon shot volume than shot quality. So it'll be interesting to see how that does against Bob. Cause I feel like 
he's very good at handling low danger chances um, if you're just kind of slamming the puck into his pads. But if you're getting into the slot, then he's going to be a lot shakier. He's going to have a lot more trouble getting side to side cross crease because he's getting older now. Yeah. Um, so just some things to look at if you're listening to this as a Preds fan and you're wondering what should we be seeing the team attacking Sergei Bobrovsky like that's kind of the idea there. Um, that'll do it for our questions today for Todd. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I always love getting the perspective of someone who actually watches the team all the time rather than me just kind of pulling stuff out of my, uh, you know, where. Well, I got, I got to say, I got to say one thing for somebody out of market, you, you know, you know, a pretty good amount about the team, which is, which is pretty refreshing. You know, the Panthers are, you know, they're like, you know, in the Coyotes teams like that, like, you know, a lot of times people that don't actually follow those teams, you know, diehards, you know, don't, they just, you know, they just know the broad strokes of the team and they don't really know a lot of the little details. And, and you seem to know, have a pretty good idea of what's going on down here. Yeah. Again, it's just cause I have way too much time on my hands. <laughs> Otherwise I don't think it'd be realistic. Uh, right. Yeah. That was me in my younger days too. I, I knew a lot more about the NHL, um, you know, back then than I do now. Uh, it's it's just being able to watch games constantly and read constantly and everything because I'm still a kid. I'm going to class, but I don't have like a full time job or anything that I'm worried about. So uh, definitely, definitely good to watch the Panthers this year. Though They've always even when they've not been a great team, they've been kind of in that category of it's good to just throw the game on because they have so many guys who can score and are exciting like Uberdo and Barkov and formerly they had Hoffman and uh, you'd see a lot of goals in any game that they'd play in. So I, I always enjoyed watching Panthers games and I do have a soft spot for the Coyotes too, even though they're kind of a mess um, as always. But again, great having you on. Um, where can people find you on Twitter and what should they be looking for if they go to litterboxcats.com? Um, the Twitter is at LitterboxCats and on Litterbox.com right now, it's just a lot of game, you know, a lot of game stuff, recaps, game day stuff. And I try to, um, one thing I've done like during this extremely uh, long off season prior to the season starting was just, just keep up with all the prospects that are, you know, either, you know, in Europe or in um, playing in, in the NCAA, um, you know, for a while there before the season started, that that was like the main focus of the site, just just keeping up with the prospects because there was literally nothing nothing else going on in the world. So um, so that's what's on there now. Now that the season started, just a lot just a lot of what's you know going on with the team, you know, game wise, like on a day to day basis because the schedule's so compact. Yeah, uh, I, I was just looking through there. You seem to have like some uh, team preview stuff too. Um, from the off season heading into the beginning of the season. So if you're looking to get a little more familiar with Florida's roster, because as Todd just said, a lot of people don't watch the Panthers um, and, and you're a central division fan who really doesn't watch the Panthers. Um, it's, it's a good place to go read some stuff, get caught up on what's going on with that team, learn about kind of the stuff that they've gone through this off season. Yeah, we, we definitely have a good, uh, even if the article looks, you know, basic or just a basic recap or preview or something, there's always there's always interesting stuff going on in the comments section. We have we have uh, we have some really, you know, longtime fans not only of the site of the team and, and um, some really knowledgeable hockey hockey fans on our site.
Yeah, I whenever whenever I go over and just read stuff that you guys are putting out, um, it astounds me the amount of comments that are on every single post and people are just talking in there and chatting about their thoughts on the team and stuff like that. Um, and it, it's kind of remarkable because Nashville obviously has a pretty passionate fan base, but I, I haven't really seen a smaller market team get that kind of engagement in the comments like you do pretty crazy to me because Florida is considered to be one of like the two or three smallest market teams in the country. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hockey fans down here and it's a, it's a shame like in the early, in the early days of the team, when the team was actually pretty good um, you know, you, you had, you had that fan base kind of similar to, to how you, how Nashville has and the, and the lightning has now. It's just a team. The team has been so bad over, over its existence for the most part. I mean, you know, any team that only makes the playoffs like, you know, five, six times in, in 25 years, you're going to, you're going to have that, you know, that just that fall off where you lose, where you lose, you know, the casual fan or just the general sports fan that kind of jumps on the bandwagon. And, and that's what, that's what's happened down here. I mean, if, if this would have been, you know, if this would have been a well-run team for, for the majority of its existence, um, everybody's opinion of this market would be different, you know, cause the fan, the fans are here, Panther fans and uh, just regular hockey fans. There's so many people from up North down here, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a shame. Like just the mismanagement over this team of this team over the, over the past couple of decades has done, has done down here. It's, it's really sad. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully now with Bill Zito here, they can get this turnaround. All this market needs is for the team to make, start making the playoffs consistently, and it'll it'll turn around. It's kind of the strategy that the Predators had to employ when they were building the team, because if you look at the franchise history, um, they've never really been like considered. I, I don't want to say they've never been considered a true cup contender, because there were some years under Barry Trotz and obviously the President's Trophy year under Peter Laviolette where they were considered that, but. It's mostly been a lot of they make the playoffs towards like the middle of the pack of the teams and then get kicked out in the first round. But they had playoff hockey almost every single year once they got past the 2006 mark of the franchise. And you had fun players and they played that gritty Barry Trot style of hockey. Um, you'd get a couple of interesting names come in and then they were obviously really good at making the homegrown defensemen. Uh, so there's kind of a, a foundation for the organization. Now we're starting to see a little bit of now that the expectations have been heightened. I feel like this is part of the problem for Panthers fans too, is that you guys made the cup so early on in the franchise history and that raised the bar for what the expectation should be pretty significantly for fans who were jumping into the team that early. And then afterwards, when the team is struggling or shaky, if you're a new fan watching the team, you get kind of exasperated. You're like, what's going on? Why did this team become bad all of a sudden? Um, this isn't what I was expecting. I can't watch this or whatever. And I think the Predators are starting to experience a little bit of that too. Not a ton of it, but you're seeing fans getting frustrated and the ticket prices are going up Uh because of that cup runs, then you're losing older fans who are season ticket holders. It's kind of interesting how these franchises sort of mirror each other in some ways, but then one is a lot more successful in holding the fan base than the other, just because I think of the stability of David Poyle and then also luck with prospect development. So, yeah, yeah, and and just just the just the playoff appearances, you know that 
that that just goes such a long way to even if you're not a cup contender you know that just goes such a long way to to holding the fan base yeah like at least the team is watchable every year that's kind of the the foundation that they built is we're not going to win uh anywhere close to 50 games every year or something like that we don't have any true superstars besides like eventually shea weber um but this team is going to win a fair amount of games. And if you come to a home game, there's a good chance you see them win and the atmosphere is going to be fun. And that's kind of what I think the Panthers are hoping to get back to, because obviously if you go back and you watch stuff from the nineties, those crowds were nuts. Um, and it's the same thing with the hurricanes and a lot of these other Southern teams, you just need stability and consistent winning um, in order to build that fan base up. And then you get super rabid fans um, like you're seeing in the comments on Litterbox cats. So I'm going to wrap things up here really quickly. Uh, Again, go check out Todd on Twitter. Give him a follow uh, and make sure to check out all the content over on litterboxcats.com. I'm really looking forward to playing the Panthers. It'll be a good test for this team, um, especially when it comes to team defense, because you guys have some game breakers that we have to worry about. Thank you once again to Todd Little from Litterbox Cats for coming on for this week's interview. Uh, Be sure to listen to this before tonight's game. And I know we have another upcoming game against the Panthers later this week. I'm sorry that this episode came out so late, everybody. There were some recording issues um, with feedback and stuff like that. But there will be another normal weekly update uh, podcast coming out later this week on Sunday. So expect to see that in your box wherever you're listening to podcasts from. I'm Eamon Smith. You can find me at JinNUC, spelled like UC Saros, on Twitter. Uh, or you can read my work over it on the 4 I'm a staff writer there. Have a great week, everybody. Go Preds.